Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. It says here, God speaking, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So this is um, the Lord uh, speaking to his chosen nation, Israel, uh, in the wilderness, and uh, he's being quite plain and frank with them. He's saying, look, I call heaven and earth to record this day. You know, uh, have witnesses that the Lord has said to them that there is a choice, therefore choose life. So he's saying that he's in, in, cap, in these verses there's a choice. There's life and death, blessing and cursing. And, uh, and that choice, he's, he's ad, uh, admonishing people uh, to choose life, choose blessing, uh, and uh, that you may love the Lord thy God, uh, obey his voice, cleave unto him, and, uh, and then that land, I mean, we know that it's a spiritual land now, uh, i.e. heaven, uh, but uh, back then it was the physical land of Canaan, uh, will be given to God's chosen people. So the title of this talk is We Have a Choice. God puts a choice before, before us and he wants us to choose appropriately or, or right. So let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 2. We'll go through a couple of choices. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then go down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, or to look after it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We know the story. Um, and it clearly says that the Lord uh, allowed many plants to grow in the Garden of Eden that came out of the ground, and including in that list of plants was the tree of life and also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So out of all the trees and plants in this Garden of Eden, there was only one that uh, the Lord asked mankind not to eat of, and that was the knowledge of good and evil. So they could have they had access, free access, to the, uh, the tree of life. And uh, we understand that uh, we look forward to uh, taking part of the spiritual tree of life, where we die no more. And, uh, and this was uh, what the Lord had asked man, turns out it's Adam, uh, to do, 
to, uh, to follow his uh, commandments. And so Adam had a choice of whether to follow it or not. Um, and then uh, Eve was formed as well because the Lord could see that he needed a helpmeet. In chapter 3 and verse 1, and it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So what was presented to uh, Adam and Eve was this choice to, uh, to follow God or not, uh, follow life or death, follow blessing or cursing. And God clearly said that if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of, tree of, knowledge of good and evil, um, you shall surely die. That's what God said. Um, the devil said, mocked at it and said, uh, you will not die. And, um, and even after they ate the fruit, they were still alive, weren't they? Adam and Eve, I mean, you can see, read, read on that Adam lived for 950 years. He still lived after that. Um, but they chose death. They chose uh, a life away from God. And as a consequence of uh, Adam and Eve's decision, we live it today. <laughs> um, mankind have chosen to, uh, to continue to follow uh, the advice of the devil and reject the advice of God. And, uh, and so... In a way, God's in the background of this world in a kind of way, uh, whereas the devil has, uh, you know, it says uh, he goes about as a roaring lion. You know, he's here. Like people choose to follow the advice of the world and reject the advice of God. And, um, and so this death that was chosen uh, is not the immediate oop, die, Thing. We know that. It's a, it's, it's a life that leads to the grave, away from God. And so we have a choice to choose life or death. And, um, and mankind uh, often choose the death option. Go to uh, chapter 4. Another choice. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel 
He also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Excuse me. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, sorry, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So it's like uh, Cain had, was given a bit of a warning from the Lord. They say, look, the Lord was saying, you know, if you do well, won't it be accepted? You have a choice, Cain. You can, you can go down the path of uh, offering something that's acceptable to the Lord, as his brother Abel did, or not. You have a choice. And so Cain chose to, uh, well, to murder his brother. That's where it went. That's where it, the sin went. But we understand that if he didn't go down that path, if he went down the path to learn what was the acceptable offering, that would have been acceptable of the Lord. So the Lord still gave Cain this choice. And we today have that choice also. Um, go to Second Peter chapter 2, just one verse here. Because uh, the next uh, part in history where there were choices was with Noah. And it turns out, well, I think this verse explains a fair bit more about what was going on at the time. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. We know the, the story of Noah and the flood. But here it says in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So even with Noah, you read the Old Testament account, and it says that excuse me, the earth was filled with violence, and uh, the Lord repented, uh, creating mankind, and uh, he decided to wipe them out with a flood. But it says that he, Noah found grace in his eyes and, uh, and his family as well, the eight, eight people that's referenced here. And it was about 100 years that he was building the ark. Now, through that 100 years, based on what this verse says, all the people on the earth still were given a choice. Throughout that whole time, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he was there witnessing to all these people, letting them know about this choice, you know, uh, that if they turned and jumped on the ark and followed the Lord, they also would have been saved. But we know from the story that uh, it was only the eight people that jumped on that ark. But that choice was still there. Back to uh, Psalm 73. Psalm 73 and verse 1. Psalm chapter 73, verse 1. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, 
even to such as are of a clean heart or a pure heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, you know? Um, My feet were almost gone, almost fell away. But my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, doth, sorry, and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? A knowledge of what they're up to. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I'll speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And we'll just stop there. So it's quite an introduction to this psalm, and uh, this uh, person like it says it's a psalm of Asaph, uh, was envious of the prosperity of others around them. You know, these people that uh, have no regard for God, you know, they, they appear to be blessed. You know, they have riches. They don't care. You know, they can do whatever they want. They're happy. They've got friends, all those sorts of things. And, uh, and uh, envying that kind of lifestyle, as it says at the start, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped as a result of uh, looking at that lifestyle and thinking, well, why have I, I, like the kind of attitude of, well, I've given up all that, those things, you know? Um, why am I chastened and why, why am I uh, leading a, a life that is, appears so different or uh, with not so much in it? Well, you can kind of understand that uh, as we uh, live in this world today. And even I was, just to add to that, aspect. <clears throat> I was speaking to an economist recently, and um, I mean, he's certainly not a young economist, he's been around a while, and he believes the current situation in Western Australia, he believes is particularly unique throughout history uh, because of the uh, access to wealth, um, right down to everyone really and just think about it think about it how um here in western australia uh there is much wealth around uh people can aspire to get a car early on you know once upon a time i mean once upon a time i mean with rod and glennis's era um like you, would, you wouldn't get a car as soon as you got a license would you your car would be well off you'd save up now, bang, licence, I want a car. 
a house as well. Like, once upon a time, it was a staged process. You know, you have this little place and then you jump up to the next big one and then you just a sta- long process stage pro- thing. But now uh, it, it's accessible, more accessible today. And this economist, I mean, I did, didn't fully understand uh, what he understood, but he was just reflecting on like, even 19th century uh, England, you know, and the, the living situation, like all the families in the same house because you can't get another one to move out of home. Like, it's just a very unique, he's saying, and it kind of makes sense, a very unique situation here in Western Australia. Um, Through history, he thinks, in that way. Um, And, um, and I mean, I've witnessed, uh, I remember door knocking to someone and uh, offering them to come along and have a look and uh, see the blessing of the Lord. And he said, well... I don't need that. I've got everything. You know, look, I've got this and that and I've got everything. And we see that uh, today. And so this, these 16 verses I've read of this psalm, you can understand here in this Western Australian context, even many people in the global context, that uh, that wealth that feed, uh, feeds down to so many people. Um, but there's still, we still all have a choice. You know, the Lord still gives us a choice. Do we go by the path of the world, which equals death, or follow him, which equals blessing and life? And so then, from this point, the, the, uh, the psalm changes. So we read verse 17. It says, so he thought on all those things. And then it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Then I thought about their end. Yes, okay, this life on earth of prosperity and doing whatever you want and so forth. Even if uh, they have everything going well in their life, what is their end? Went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. And just go down to verse 22. So foolish was I. Okay? And um, look, I've thought this sort of thing as well over the years. Um, but then it's described so well here, so foolish was I. There's no wisdom in that thought. And ignorant, I was as a beast before thee, before God. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. See, that's an important thing as well. We have God's counsel with us. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them. Oh, sorry, I've read too fast. Supposed to stop at six. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Our flesh. And our heart, our mind, our thoughts, they, they, uh, they fail, you know, they let us down. But, um, but God is our strength. And that's the choice. We have that choice uh, to, uh, to look up above it all and follow him. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. 
and verse 11. It says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, for as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. And that's an aspect as well. You know, life, things happen in life. Um, good things happen to everyone, bad things happen to everyone. It's life. Um, time and chance happens to them all. And, but the Lord's saying, well, choose life. Choose him. Choose blessing. Have him in your life. Don't choose the other way, the world, uh, which equals death and cursing. But uh, understand that time and chance happens to everyone. As we read in uh, Psalm 73, the wicked prosper. You know, that's what it says there. Uh, They have had time and chance that have fallen in their lap and achieved things. The problem is when uh, the wicked prosper, they think it's themselves. That's the problem. And don't realise that time and chance happens to them all. But it's good for us to realise that. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. Matthew chapter 5. And verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that's the scripture that says, be perfect or aspire to it. Uh, with, with the guidance that's written in the scriptures. And so this advice is contrary to natural advice. It's different. It's different to uh, what the world says. You know, push yourself forward and uh, uh, um, have friends of those that are going to help you succeed. The Lord says, no, do it differently. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. You know, uh, it's completely different that you may get fa- favour from our Father in heaven. But in that, it adds on to what we read in Ecclesiastes. It says, He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay? We know that. We have agricultural people with agricultural backgrounds as well in this room. That um, it's a wonderful blessing when it rains. (laughs) Grass grows. So your stock can eat it. Or uh, your, when it rains, your uh, crops grow, and you know that that means food, uh, income. So, and that happen, doesn't just happen on your place, it happens on the neighbours as well. So good things happen to everyone. The sun rises as well. 
You know, that can be a good thing as well. In fact, um, when the Lord sends rain across the whole of the land, the whole nation benefits, doesn't it? That, uh, that even the, the unjust, uh, when they um, sell their produce, it has a flow-on effect to everyone. So good things happen to everyone. That's what this passage is saying. And so for us to step above that is to love our enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you. That's how we stand, um, stand separate, holy, right? Uh, we have that choice. Second Timothy chapter 1. We'll get into some aspects of, okay, I've laboured this, uh, this uh, line of thought that we have a choice and good things happen to everyone and uh, you see the prosperity of those around us and sometimes it feels like we're giving up a life of following those, that pathway. It seems that way. You know, all sorts of things happen during meetings um, that seem like fun. Um, we give that up knowing there's a bigger picture. But you see, there's wonderful benefits. And we'll go through a couple of scriptures here. Second Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Okay? Paul is saying to Timothy and to us, uh, the Lord is saying it to us, remember this. I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Such a wonderful scripture. Okay, and I, I referenced uh, the current situation in Western Australia being particularly unique throughout history with the wealth and so forth. But for some reason, uh, there are many reasons, I'm sure, uh, there's rampant uh, anxiety, depression, suicide and so forth in a, uh, a place that is prospering. And the reason is they don't have a sound mind. They don't, there's no purpose. Like God, sorry, I won't go into the reason because there's so many reasons, but we can step above that because God has not given us a spirit of fear but power of love and a sound mind. That's what he's given us. Uh, there's an avenue, a choice to follow. Um, but also what's important, in verse 9, it says he's called us according to his purpose, right? There is a purpose to our life. God cares for us. Um, he needs us. <laughs> um, he, he sent his son to die, right? He invested so fully for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and to dwell within a people, such an investment that uh, he would want a return. And so he has called us for a purpose. And if we're called according to a purpose, there's a reason to get up. There's a reason to walk through the house and out the front door. 
There's a reason to do this. And look, we've all been through really low times. I mean, I've been through really low times personally where I didn't feel like getting out of the house, but there was something I needed to do. And that purpose is what uh, drives us. And the Lord's given us that purpose. Uh, and, uh, And we have this holy calling. We're separate. And we've been called by his wonderful grace where we can remember that uh, what Jesus did and went through was for us personally. We remember that when we, uh, with the communion service, which is so important, that uh, a man, a human being, that uh, so desired to do his father's will, that uh, he submitted to his father's will utterly so that we may be filled with the Holy Spirit and have a purpose in our life a reason for living, which is wonderful. We have a reason. We know what life means. Philippians chapter 4. Because all the, uh, the blessings and goodness stays here on earth. Um, all, and the, the things that we see from a distance, people prospering, we don't know what's inside their body, what's going on inside, and, uh, and that contentment that comes with knowing that uh, we are um, on a pathway that means something. Philippians chapter 4, wonderful chapter. Ali and I often speak about this chapter. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, always rejoice. Let your moderation or gentleness or um, calmness, steadiness be known unto all men. So the Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That, to me, is the pinnacle of blessing. Even if um, we stand here and all we have is the clothes that we're wearing, but we have a peace, that is amazing. We could be surrounded in all sorts of objects and wealth and not have peace. That's torment. But God wants to give us a peace that passes all understanding, and that's the choice. Choose that. Choose peace. And, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, of course, we understand we're human beings and the peace comes and goes often and different aspects impact that. But this passage here, rejoicing in the Lord always, uh, letting your moderation be known, being anxious for nothing, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, so forth, uh, praying to a God who lives and desires to answer prayer. What is available to us is a peace a peace that passes all understanding. And we will go to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. We know this verse well and for a very good reason. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, right? Call for his purpose. And with many other words, he did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. You have a choice. Praise the Lord. Back then, when we were given a choice, we did went, go through and be baptised. We did pray for the Holy Spirit. We were given that choice. And the Lord uh, gave us that Holy Spirit. We spoke in tongues. And so save ourselves from this untoward generation. We don't belong in this untoward generation. We belong on the pathway to life. That's where we belong. And uh, we'll finish up in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God, ah, no, that's true, yeah, sorry, beg your pardon, um, Waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here it plainly says baptism today, now, does save us from that untoward generation. And uh, I do like that aspect in the, in the brackets because it kind of makes it practical. Like, yes, there's scriptures about um, uh, baptism of the righteousness, forgiveness of sins and so forth and being saved from this untoward generation. But in the brackets it says, look, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. We still drag this tabernacle through life. We still have it with us, Okay. Um, just like Adam and Eve, you know, they still had it. But the answer of a good conscience to a God. God said, hey, you have a choice. And then that good conscience to a God, we chose to be baptised. God said to do it, so we did it. And, uh, and that uh, is a submission to his, uh, his ways, his higher ways than ours. And so that's what we've done. And now we continue to have that choice to continue to following the path of life. Okay, thank you.